Uh, they were practicing that this morning. I was sitting here singing along with them. And I told them that we could probably stop the service right there. Because what else do you do but praise the Lord? Great, great. Thank you, babe. Thank you. Jim, open us in prayer, will you please, buddy? just uh, I'm excited for the for you guys being here today uh, Memorial Day weekend and yet here you are in the house of the Lord I, before I get started I just uh, I want to remind Randall uh, back there that he got married in May and that uh, uh, Christina had to tell him that he got married in May that's why he came up here kind of a little bit slow if you would love you brother <laughs> We'll be in Mark, if you want to turn there, Mark 10, as we continue our series uh, on Jesus, my choice. The rest of the message today is called the problem of eternal life, okay? And we're going to look at that today and try to pull some stuff out of the scripture as we look about the, well, the, the caption is the rich young ruler. And we're going to look at some of that today. Just a quick reminder, a couple of weeks ago when we began this series of Jesus, my choice, we, we, we looked at the wise man and the foolish man. And the wise man built his uh, life, if you would, on the foundation of Jesus Christ and, and lived the Christian life. And, 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 and the Bible said when the storms of life came that, that the storms didn't knock his world over, uh, that his life stood, if you would, because of his, his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the foolish man built his his life on the sands of materialism and popularity and possessions. And, and, and you remember that the Bible said when the storms came and they came and blew his house, blew his life down because his anchor was just the sand. It wasn't the Lord and Savior. So we looked at that two weeks ago. Last week, we looked at the rich man of Lazarus. Lazarus bringing that very poor gentleman who had to beg for food, but he had a faith of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says when he died, it says the angels came and escorted him to heaven. What a beautiful picture of what happens when a believer dies. That God dispatches his angels to come and get you, to take you into the very presence of God. And we also looked at the rich man who had nothing to do with Lazarus. He, he wanted nothing to do with, with God. 
And he lived his life just how he wanted to and, and collecting more and more and bigger and bigger and more shiny as he could get. And the Bible says when he died, he was buried. And he found himself immediately, the Bible says, in, in Hades, okay, to be tormented forever and forever. Uh, people, you and I, having a choice. Do we make Jesus my choice? Do you make Jesus your choice of your life? Or do you reject him like the foolish man and the rich man? Today we're going to look at another story, another par- this is the parable, about the rich young ruler and, and, and his life and, and the questions that he asked. That's where we're going today. You know, today as we look at this in Mark 10, starting in verse 17, uh, I hope to be able to pull out about four different truths or five different truths, if you would, about eternity. Uh, maybe some truths that the Bible says, maybe some truths that, that the world does not say. And maybe this is a, a conception that you have about eternal life. And we're going to look about this young guy. And as he approaches Jesus with the, uh, with the greatest questions of all questions, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's where we're going to go with today. The first point I want to make about that is... Seeking Jesus is not enough to receive eternal life. Seeking Jesus is not enough to receive eternal life. We read in verse 17 there. And it says, and he was setting out on a journey. That's Jesus who was setting out on a journey. Probably going back to Jerusalem. You can read that at the end of that chapter. It says, and a man came up to him. And knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Who was this guy, this young man? And, and the Bible lists it as the rich young ruler. But you could take away those, those adjectives and it could be just a, any kind of a young man, whatever you want to say. But the Bible says he came eagerly to the Lord. It says he ran up to him. Running in those days was not something that one did. But he ran to the Lord, and you see what he did when he got there. He was so eager to talk to this guy, this talk to this Jesus, that he fell down and knelt down before him in, a, in an act of humbleness and of reverence because he had heard about this guy, Jesus, and how he taught and how he preached and the miracles. And he falls down in front of him, and he says, Man, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This was a guy that was young in nature. But he wanted to know about eternal life. He wanted to know what happened to him when his life was over. Where would he step into eternity? And how could he step into eternity going up instead of going down? And he is a guy that was very interested in eternal life. Because you see, you see his possessions, his wealth, his power, his prestige, everything that made him in essence a rich young ruler if you would. He began to find out that that wasn't bringing him much happiness, wasn't bringing him much peace and comfort in his life. And he had all the trappings of life, and yet he understood that something was missing here. Something in his life was missing. And he, and he, and he runs to Jesus because he had heard Jesus teach, and this guy, man, he, could, he really could teach. I mean, this guy knew that scripture. You know, and, he, and maybe he had seen a miracle or two of some healing of a blind man or a lame man or, or something. And, and he eagerly goes and he wants, he wants to know the answer. He answers the question, what must I do 
to inherit eternal life. And we see this guy, and sometimes we give this guy maybe a bad rap. You know, sometimes we look at him and, and we know what he does, and, but, but we don't think about it. He really has this desire to know. I think deep down most people have a desire to know how to inherit eternal life. I think most people know because most people also have what the Bible says, this, this hole in their heart that only can be filled with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ, I can tell you, you know without ever admitting it that there is something missing in your life. There's just something that's not right. And that something that's not right is minus a relationship with Jesus. And that's who this guy is. So he comes and he sees Jesus, runs to him and kneels before him and gives him all the respect he can give him to him. And what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and what, you, what we see here is this, that he asked the right question, didn't he? I mean, he asked the right earth-shattering question that every one of us will have to answer someday. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He asked the right question. He went to the right person. He got the right answer. And now it was up to him to decide what was he going to do with the right answer. Would he choose Jesus in his life? Or would he choose to reject Jesus in his life? And what he will find in just a few minutes from this conversation with Jesus, that just because he was willing to seek after Jesus doesn't make eternity his happy home, if you would. You know, today people seek Jesus, don't they? You know, we come to church to, to hear about Jesus being taught. Uh, we, we spend time reading his word, if you would. Uh, sometimes we, we, we seek after Jesus when, when life kind of, kind of piles in on us and we got a struggle and we got trials, we got a tragedy in our life and go, where, God, where, where are you? I mean, come on. And, I, and you're dealing with all this kind of stuff and we, and we seek him. And yet, do we really seek him? Well, yeah, the Bible says I should seek him or my pastor tells me I should seek him. And what we find is just seeking Jesus alone is not enough for eternal salvation. Second point I want you to see here real quick is to praise Jesus is not enough to receive eternal life. Just because you praise him doesn't mean you have eternal life. And we see that in the last part of 17 and 18 where he says, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You see, he was showing great respect. He said, you are the great teacher, you are the great master, you are the great rabbi, acknowledging that Jesus was this guy who could really teach the word, that he really had something going for him. He was a man, this guy would say, and he was a, a guy that really knew the scriptures. And he wanted to understand, and he thought maybe, maybe this Jesus fella, this, this man who was standing there before him, could really help him understand what it took to be and have eternal life. But we see that, that Jesus goes, why do you call me good in verse 18? No one is good except God alone. Only God is good. And what he's trying to get this young man to see that compared to the righteousness of God, the purity of God, there is none who is good. I mean, the Bible even says that, does it not? For all, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans it said no one, no one seeks after God. No one understands God. Nobody goes after God. 
And Jesus was trying to get him to understand that, that he is not any good in terms of his sin and that Jesus was good and that Jesus was God. And, and he goes, you know, if, if I'm good, then I have to be God. Jesus, yes, I am God because I am now good, he would say. And now Jesus said, without you, young man, acknowledging that I am God in the flesh, there is no way that you'll ever have eternal life. Let me try that again. If you don't believe and trust that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is God in flesh, that He came down from His home in heaven and came and walked on this earth, if you cannot believe that, you cannot have eternal security. Because you have to understand that Jesus is God Himself. And He paid that price just for us. And he's trying to get this young man to understand that. But all the young man could see was some man that was standing here that really could teach the Scriptures. And Jesus was trying to get him to understand, no, that's not. But he praises him, doesn't he? He says, good teacher. I praise you, good teacher. But what we see in John 14, 6, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's Jesus speaking. Young man, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to come and have eternal life, you've got to go through me first, is what he's saying. In John 6, 68, it says, Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Yeah, he does. Just praising the Lord won't get you to heaven. He'll figure that out. And I got to thinking about that. I got to thinking just about that. Matter of fact, it's been, it's been months ago in one of the services, I think it was Wednesday night. Somebody asked me, he goes, she goes, how do we praise the Lord? How do we praise the Lord? You ever thought about that? How do we praise the Lord? Well, I, I read you some verses in Revelation, number one. How do you praise the Lord? Well, I got to thinking. Go out some night and look up at the stars and see the Milky Way up there, if you can. Look up and see his universe that's up there, that vastness of that universe. That'll give you something to praise him about, I'm telling you. Or, or get up in the morning and, and watch the sun come up in the east. That's something to praise him about because that shows God's faithfulness why don't you just walk around and look at the beauty of the greenness of our earth and the trees and the mountains and the lakes and you go man i praise you god just because of that god i I praise you because you control the winds god you tell the the waters where to go and how to where to stop i praise you because of that why don't you praise him because of just look at yourself this this body that he's given to us that the, that the protein molecule that, that holds this body together is called laminin. And when you look at it under a microscope, what does it look like? It looks like the cross of Jesus. The molecule that holds us together, that didn't happen because of a big bang theory, I'm going to tell you. That happened because God Almighty said, I want you to know as, your, as my children that the thing that holds all of this together is in the form of a cross. 
Why don't you praise him because of that? Why don't you praise him now because you, you read about that, that Jesus came and walked on this earth and, and they, they beat the tar out of him. And they killed him and yet what happened to him? Three days later, bingo, bingo, he's up out of the grave and he's walking around. That gives you something to praise him about. Why don't you praise him because of this book right here? <laughs> this book is inspired by God himself. I mean, he told those guys what to write. I can just imagine Paul, come on, God, I got another verse to get here. And God inspired him to write that stuff. Why don't you just praise him for that? Unbelievable. See, we got stuff to praise him for, you know? And you don't have to have fancy words. You don't have to have big, long adjectives. All you got to do is just think about his creation. Think about who he is. Think about his son, Jesus. And all you got to do is, God, I praise you because of that. And yet so many times in our life we praise him with our lips, but our heart is still cold. We praise him with our lips, but we don't mean it. We can't do that. Yeah, I know sometimes we have to. I know sometimes when tragedy hits our lives and, and we're in a trial and we're suffering and we're hurting bad and we just don't feel it. But yet God's word tells us to do what? Praise him anyway. Praise him anyway. Yeah, I got cancer. Yeah, I'm going to praise him anyway. Yeah, I got a broke leg. Yeah, I'm going to praise him anyway. I might have to tell him I don't understand this. I don't like it, God. I don't know about why I can't have a baby. But you know what? I'm going to praise him anyway. And I tell him that. And I tell him, I don't understand, but God, your word tells me to praise him. Does praising him give us eternal life? No. But it shows us that we have a heart that longs for eternal life. This young man, he soon figures out after dealing with Jesus just for a few minutes that just because I choose to seek him or just because I choose to praise him is not enough to give me heaven when I pass from this old world. Third thing I want you to see real quickly, being a good person is not enough for eternal life. Being a good person is not good enough to have eternal life. Verses 19 and 20 says this. And Jesus is talking to him and, and answering his questions. And he says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and your father. This is after he has asked the question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives him some commandments here, which is kind of a little bit odd, I think. You see, this guy, he had a religion of works and not of faith. He believed if he was good enough, if he did enough good things, he believed that if he had, was moral enough, and if he was walking the straight and narrow enough and doing enough nice things that God would be pleased with him and God would be happy for him and that God would just go, yeah, I, I, I think you're a pretty good dude and do this. You know, we're going to let you in. And that's what he's saying. He said, he said, is heaven based on 
the things I do, the goodness of me, is what he's asking. And Jesus begins to tell him that just because the balance sheet of your life might have more good than bad, doesn't mean that you have eternal life. Because it could be this way. Verse 20, we see this man. He said, teacher, I've kept all these things. You can almost see the excitement in his voice. You know, what, I, what have I got to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, man, don't murder nobody and, and don't commit adultery. Don't steal and don't, don't lie about nobody and, 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 and honor your parents. And, and I can just see the excitement building up in this guy. He said, man, I, I've been doing all that stuff. Man, I've got a life going. I've got a lot of money in the pocket. I've got a nice house. I'm a really a good person. Man, don't you get it, Jesus? I, you see who I am? Not everybody my age is, is going to be like this, okay, Jesus? And he's proud and his, his buttons are popping and, man, he's excited about who he is. And yet Jesus has something else for him. Why did he, why did he, Jesus, give him the commandments? Why did he give him the commandments? Why didn't he say, man, you've got to just believe in me and, and accept me as Lord and Savior and y'all good for, for, for eternity? But instead, he gives him some commandments there from just right from the law in the Old Testament back in Exodus. Well, why would, why would Jesus do that? He was wanting this guy to see himself as he really is, okay? You see the law, the Ten Commandments, all that stuff back, back in the Old Testament? All that is is a mirror. And all Jesus was wanting him to do is look in that mirror of those, of those commandments. And those mirror, as you look at that, you're looking back at yourself, and you ought to be able to figure out that you haven't done all of those, that you haven't kept the commandments. And as you look at that, it is, the law is designed to reveal your sinfulness. The law can't wash you. The law just shows you how dirty you are, how much sin that you have in your life. And he's trying to get this guy to look at that. You really aren't as good as you think you are, bud. Because you haven't been able to keep it like I want you to. You know, the Bible says if, if, you, if you mess up one of them, <laughs> you've messed them all up. Okay? And yet this guy, this young man who wants to know so much about eternal life, wants to know so bad about it, all he can see is how good he is, and Jesus wants him to see how bad he is. Because God's Word says what? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all done that. You, me, all of us. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And all Jesus is going said, go ahead, look at these commandments. Look at this mirror. Mirror looking back at yourself. You see yourself, and you go, yeah, yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he couldn't get there. And I, as I was praying through this last night, it's like God was speaking to me. And he, and he was saying, you know, Don, you're not much different than that guy right there. You're not much different. Because you see, you too fail in your commandments. Even though you've been born again, you still fail. And you can't take any pride, Don, that, that you have kept the Ten Commandments if you would. You're not much different than he is, Don. 
because we think sometimes that, that I'm a pretty good person. I'm a dude. I'm a dudist. And I'm keeping all this kind of stuff. And we forget. We forget that we are all sinners saved by the grace of God. And that we all stumble. And that sometimes even as believers we come short of God's glory. And we stub our toe and we sin. Doesn't take away our salvation. But it takes away our fellowship with Him. And he says, Don, sometimes you're not much. Don't, don't take pride, Don, that you've kept these commandments because you don't keep them like I want you to keep them, Don. And we begin to think that we're just a little better, better than everybody else. We begin to think that this rich young guy, man, he should have known better. He should have done better. He should have seen in that mirror how bad he was. And yet we need to look at the mirror ourselves sometimes and say, man, I just, I blew that one, Jesus. I blew it. I confess I need to get that cleaned up. You see, he wasn't willing to see himself as a sinner. You know, today, today we, we have a, probably a very lax attitude about sin in our lives. You know, I, I think so many times that, that most people don't want to see themselves as a sinner that needs a Savior. And until we can ever get to the point in our lives that that we, yeah, I've sinned, I've broken God's law, and I need a Savior to save me, that it ain't going to happen. I mean, that's just the bottom line. It doesn't happen. And I got to thinking about that. You know, and, and back in about 1980s or so, y'all don't remember this, <clears throat> there came a, a philosophy, a world philosophy, that said, do not correct your children do not discipline your children. Do not set any boundaries for your children because all you're going to do is mess them up and they won't have a very good positive self-image. I remember sitting in school, them telling us to do this kind of garbage. You don't want to warp their little minds by telling them they were wrong. You don't want to, for sure don't want to spank them. Make sure every one of them dudes, little dudes gets a medal no matter what. And what is happening is we are reaping the rewards of that philosophy. Because, you see, that philosophy came from, the, came from the back roads, the back house of Satan himself. Because every one of those things I just said are, are opposed to what God has said how to raise those kiddos. And when we take that and we put that in society and we say, say don't correct them, don't tell them they're wrong, don't spank them, don't do any of that kind of garbage. All we're sending a message to them is this, that it's okay to be whoever you are and you just live your life however you want to live it. And after a while, these kids begin to see that and they begin to experience that. And, and now they have no respect for their parents. Now they have re no respect for their teacher. Now they have no respect for their, the police. And when they get to that point, guess who they don't respect anymore? Holy God. If they've never been taught this, they'll never be able to respect him as holy God. So when the pastor or the Sunday school teacher tells them, yeah, you, we're all sinners. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. And we need a Savior. The world says, no, I don't because I'm a good guy. I'm really a good guy. I, I am, I am a, a person who feels good about themselves. I have a great self-concept. And is it not the same attitude that this rich young ruler had? 
that I'm good. I'm not a sinner. I don't need a Savior. So you can see that attitude comes from the pits of Satan's think room. The young man thought he could be good enough to be in heaven. But he's not. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. For by grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved. And not of yourselves. Not of yourselves. Nothing you can do yourselves. It's a gift. And not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, this rich guy, this young man right here, thought his works would get him to heaven. He thought if he could seek Jesus hard enough, it would get him to heaven. He thought if he could praise Jesus enough, it would get him to heaven. He thought he could be good enough to get him to heaven. And yet, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 kind of just blows that theory out of the water. Because there was nothing this young man could do to receive eternal life. There is nothing you and I can do to receive eternal life. Because the Bible says, it's not about you, it's just a gift. Would you accept it? It's not about your works, it's a gift. You don't have to work for it. The rich young ruler, the young man, could not figure that out. And sometimes we as people choose not to figure that out. Fourth thing I want to get to you real quick. Being loved by Jesus isn't enough to have eternal life. That's interesting. We see in verse 21, looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. There was something about this guy. I mean, he came, he was earnest, he wanted to know about eternity. He was excited about wanting to know it. And you see, how how does Jesus know that? Jesus, he doesn't look on the outside. You know, the Bible says he didn't look on the outside. He looks on the inside of the heart. And he saw that this young man really wanted to know about eternal life. Really did. And it seemed like it just kind of drew Jesus to him. And the Bible says he loved him. (laughs) Even though Jesus knew what he was fixing to do. Jesus still loved him. You see, just because Jesus loves us doesn't give us a home in heaven. Because you see, he will never violate your will. If you don't want to have a home in heaven, if you don't want to spend time with him here on this earth, if you want to reject him here, he'll grant you that wish and he will just allow you to step into eternity forever and forever. People today will say, you know, I believe God's a merciful God. I believe God loves me. I believe that Jesus died on a cross. I... I, I, I believe that. I don't believe, I don't believe God would send anybody to hell, Jim. They will say that because God is love. And, and did you know they're, they're correct when they say that? They're correct when it says, when they say God does not send anybody to hell. He doesn't. You choose to go there. You make a choice. You choose. And like Jim was talking about in Sunday school today, heaven and hell are full of People. People that lived on this earth and every one of them made a decision in their life. Every one of them. Whether or not they decide to choose Jesus or to reject Jesus. And that's what the series is all about. Jesus is my choice. Is Jesus your choice? That's the question. And then one other point I want to get and I'll be done. Jesus requires everything is required. Everything, giving everything is required 
to have eternal life. See, Jesus is speaking to this guy in verse 21, and, and he asks, what, I've, get, I've done all this, and you love me. And then in 21, he says this. He says, one thing you lack, buddy. Go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. That was Jesus' solution. What's he saying? You want to have a home in heaven when you leave this old earth? You've got to accept me as Lord and Savior. Hebrews 4.12 says this. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven which has been given among men by which you must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus. When we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He wants our total being. Did you know that? He wants us to submit our total life to Him. See, He doesn't want to be second place, third place, fourth place, fifth place in your life. And that's what exactly what He's telling this, this guy right here. Jesus said, I got to be number one. I don't want you to have anything more important than me. I mean, you can't do it. If you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, Jesus said, I gots to be number one in your life. Not number two, number three, or number four. Matthew 6, 24 says, no man can serve two masters. That's what Jesus is telling him. You want eternal life? You got to give it all up to me. And then you can have eternal life. You accept me as Lord and Savior. Then you can have it. You can have it all. You see, Jesus knew this guy's issues. And this guy's issues was what? It was his comfort. It was his wealth. It was his possessions. It was his lifestyle. And all, all he wanted to do was get all the money he could get, hoard all his money, and he spent it on himself. But Jesus said, no, no. If you've got this, and after you've paid your expenses, he said, I want you to, do, I want you to help somebody else. I want you to take some of that money. I want you to help somebody else. I want you to be, do something for the kingdom. Because Jesus gave us two commandments in the New Testament, didn't he? To love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And that's what he's telling him here. But then the second one, bud, here was what? To love your neighbor as yourself. Buddy, you ain't loving your neighbor because you got it and you ain't helping nobody. And Jesus said, I want you to do that. I want you to come forth and submit everything you got to me. And then you have treasure in heaven. And then you come and follow me. And then eternity is at your door. But then the saddest verse of the Bible almost is 22. But he says, at these words, he had just heard Jesus speak and he was saddened. And he went away grieving. For he is one who had much property. He was at decision time in his life. Do I choose Jesus or do I choose the world? That's where he's at. So many times we get that way too. Do we choose Jesus or do we choose the world? This young man chose the world. And he went away sad. He went away grieving. He had a choice and that's what he chose. And if he never... If he never accepted Christ as Savior during his lifetime, he's going to be just like the, the rich man last week with Lazarus. 
that when death comes and snatches him out of his comfortable house and his comfortable home, he's going to find himself in Hades and torment forever and forever. That's a choice this man made. Why did he do that? Why, why could he not get to a point in his life that said, man, I choose Jesus and not this old world? The same, the same points that keeps people today from accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. Number one is just unbelief. He and a lot of us don't believe that Jesus will do what he said he would do. He, they don't believe that he will, will provide now and provide for eternity. I just, I just can't get there in my mind. I just, have a, I just can't get there, they would say. Or, or maybe it's an idea of being self-righteous and prideful. You mean, you mean, he would say, you mean you want me to do what, Jesus? You want me to do what? You want to give away all my stuff? I've worked hard for that stuff. That's my stuff. I'm a good guy, and if I'm just so good, I think, I think maybe, I think just deep down, I think maybe when I pass from this whole earth, God's going to kind of make an exception for me because I'm such a good guy. And he's going to make an exception. You go, boy, darn it. You did good down there. I'm going to give you a pass. I'm going to bring you to heaven even though you never accepted me as Lord and Savior. He ain't going to do that. You see, pride keeps us from doing that. A self-righteousness keeps us from accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. And then the third point that's going to hit every one of us is a love for this old world. That we love this world more than we love anybody else. You see, we love our comfort and our possessions. We love our prestige. We love our power. We love what comes about that. But you see, you see, this guy, this guy loved his possessions more than he loved people. Think about that. He loved what he had more than God's people. He loved the things of this world more than having a home in glory forever and forever. See, he, he loved what he had here. But we know what's going to happen here. It's going to rust and decay and go away. But he loved that more than what the Bible says, a glorious forever in heaven. He loved himself more than he loved Jesus. He loved himself more than he loved Jesus. And we, when he decided what he wanted to do, he just believed that this old world right now is going to be so much better than a home in heaven. That's what he's saying. I believe right now is where it's at. And for him, it probably was. Because you see, sometimes God will give us heaven here on this earth. Did you know that? And sometimes heaven on earth is for that person who eventually rejects Jesus. And he's got a great life here. Everything is hunky-dory here. And all, the only heaven he's going to see is because he's got a life of comfort right here. And that's that young man right there, and that's probably some of us here. Heaven here on this earth. But they will never experience heaven up there because they never accept Christ as Lord and Savior. One of the things we've been teaching on Wednesday night is about heaven. And I think the more we know about heaven, the more we're going to want to know about heaven. How great heaven is going to be. When we get there. 
you know, you look at these reasons, you look at these excuses, the same ones he had last week, the guy had. Loving the world instead of loving Jesus. Loving his possessions instead of loving Jesus. And that, my friends, is the choice that we make. Do we choose Jesus in our life? And we live for eternity. Are we like this young guy who who thought he was pretty good and he had a choice and he chose not Jesus, but he chose to reject Jesus? My prayer is that you have chosen Jesus to be the one that you build your life on as, as the music plays. This rich young guy, he asked the right question, didn't he? He asked the right teacher, didn't he? He got the right answer, didn't he? He made the wrong choice. As we bow our heads, we begin our invitation time. I will urge you, urge you, plead with you, beg with you, don't make the wrong choice in life. Choose Jesus and not the world. As the piano plays, I'm going to ask you to do business with the Lord. If you've got something going on inside, that's probably the Holy Spirit convicting you. Come and let's talk about it. If you need Jesus, come up here and the altars are open. Let's talk about it. If you want to join the church, come up here. Let's talk about it. The invitation is yours, not mine. It's yours. I'm inviting you to choose Jesus today if you never have. As the piano plays. Take that step out of the pew if you would. It's a hard step. The first one. The rest of them are easy. Don't let pride, self-righteousness, your goodness keep you from coming to the Lord. If you've been born again, I want you to be praying. Praying for God.